Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features and one that my clients love as well is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself. Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off a subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. What BIF really does is it makes an adversarial situation into a non-adversarial one. It's like you take, you take your desire to defend and justify and turn that inside yourself into a simple explanation. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I am Susan Guthrie, your host, and today is a special day on the podcast. We are joined by Bill Eddy. I've been telling you that Bill is going to come on uh, for a couple of weeks now, and he's here to join us today to talk about, um, you hear me talk about Biff all the time. Um, I think I've mentioned it in most of the episodes up to now. That's like 60 some odd episodes, but there is a new version of Biff for co-parents. So Bill is joining us today. Thank you so much for Bill for, t- for making the time and coming on. Thank you, Susan. I'm always glad to be on with you. Well, and this is, you know, we were talking just a moment ago as we were getting ready to start taping about this is really, um, you're known for high conflict divorce, but this communication between co-parents is really an issue, whether you are in a high, high conflict divorce all the way down to, I I don't know what to call it, your your everyday run-of-the-mill divorce. Um, It is a difficult situation. So, but first, let me just give everyone a little of your background um, because, you know, I, I do talk about you. You may not know if you haven't heard the podcast recently, but I do mention you fairly often because these issues around high conflict um, matters come up, but Bill is um, a, an attorney, a mediator, and an LCSW, a licensed 
clinical social worker, which means he's the trifecta of the perfect person to be dealing with um, personality issues, psychological issues, as well as divorce issues. And really, you are the person who sort of pioneered this field of dealing with the high conflict personalities, both in divorce, but also in the workplace, in family constructs, really in all different kinds of ways. You are also one of the co-founders of the High Conflict Institute, which is where I refer people for information all the time. And you recently uh, were named the Chief Innovation Officer for the HCI, which I um, didn't know there was a Chief Innovation Officer, so I'm excited to hear that for you. Megan Hunter, who's also been on the show, um, is the new CEO. So again, thank you again for coming on. You have really written all of the books in my library on dealing with high conflict personalities and divorce. Um, but I will say that Biff is the one that I have ordered by the case and that I, I always say I pass it out like candy uh, because there's no one I know who, including myself, uh, because we as attorneys deal with high conflict personalities as well, um, who don't, who can't benefit from learning this. So I was, I was, one of the things that's in the, the new book is sort of a little story on how Biff came about which I didn't know. Um, so I, I wondered if you could start us off just with, with how you came up with Biff. Sure. And as with many things, it was by accident. Um, I, I really, it's ironic how much I learned from teaching. So I was giving uh, one of our first trainings in uh, 2007 with Megan Hunter and we had maybe 20 professionals in the room, and two of them, I still remember, I can picture this, were sitting on the left side. And in the middle of the training, they said, what about these horrible emails that we see people writing to each other going through divorce or separation or custody issues? And because I'd already been practicing as a lawyer for about 15 years at that point, I was very familiar with those emails, rewriting them and all of this. So I said, well, they've got to be brief. You know, the longer they are, the more trouble it creates. And they just need to be informative, just straight information, no opinions or emotions or all of that. And and I said, and they need to have kind of a friendly uh, tone. And so, you know, if you just keep, keep brief, informative, friendly, and one of the judges says, oh, that's Biff. I said, yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. He says, well, look, Biff has four, has two Fs, so you got to have another F. And I said, well, let's see, you know, firm, because you wanted to end the hostilities. So I'd, I'd say firm. So we've got Biff. And the rest of that training, we were like, and that's a case for Biff. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's really how it started. But there's a, another little fun piece in it. In 2008, I was going to go for the first time to do some training and teaching in Australia at a law school and, and uh, professionals. And so I was at, before I went to Australia, I was giving another training. I think it was to a collaborative divorce group, maybe at a conference. And I taught Biff. And a guy came up to me afterwards and he says, with an accent, and he says, now, you know, in Australia, a Biff 
is a fan. And I'm not quite sure what he said. I couldn't tell if he was saying it's a fight or it's a fart. I said, oh, okay, you know, I was in a hurry and I figured I got to look into this before I use it in Australia. And so I I land in Australia and I'm riding the bus, I think, to Melbourne and someone's got a newspaper up and it says fans want more Biff at their sporting events. And I glanced down and a Biff is basically a fist fight at a sporting event. The players, you know, get in a rough and tumble. I said, oh, good. I can deal with that because this is a Biff response. So if somebody's trying to start a fight with you in writing, give them a Biff response. So that's That's the long story. (laughs) (laughs) But that's perfect. So don't start a fight with them. Don't Biff them. (laughs) Yeah. But to react to their trying to start a Biff with with brief, informative, friendly, but firm. I feel like you must feel like you've said that a million times. I honestly feel like I've said it a million times. Um, but the reason we say it, everyone who's listening, is because it works. Um, it may have developed in this, you know, in this uh, sort of organic way, but it's actually become a word, you know, like we say we Zoom now. I'm going to Zoom you. I'll Zoom. I'll send you a Zoom. I tell people to biff people all the time. Biff him. Yes. It's become, you know, it's become something. Or I will have a client who's very proud of themselves who will send me a draft of an email and say, I've biffed this. Um, so it's, you, you've helped. I Honestly, you've helped more people than I think you could ever possibly know with this method. Um, it's, it's something that is life-changing for people because... What I have seen, and I'm thinking of a very specific client that I was helping last year. She was in Canada, caught up in a post-dissolution. They were five years past their divorce, but caught up in that toxic cycle of communication, emails in this particular case, where they would draft, she would draft in particular, five page long epistles with quotes and research and copies from some of the emails he sent her cut and pasted in there where she would then go through this whole thing about if you know this is why you shouldn't say things like this and if you would just do this and research says if you do that and you know is there something about people thinking that they can change the other person that that drives that sort of ongoing behavior. Yeah, I I think so. I think there's, you know, there's this sense of you ha- that somebody has to win and somebody has to lose, and so most people don't want to lose, and so you get you get triggered into this feeling of. I'm going to lose if I don't kind of beat down the other person or show them where they're wrong. And so there's this sense of, you know, I've got to tell them. And, and it's a, it's really, it comes from defending ourselves in an adversarial situation. And so what Biff really does is it makes an adversarial situation into a non-adversarial one. It's like you take, you take your desire to defend and justify and turn that inside yourself into a simple explanation. And that makes, that stops the fight and makes it um, more cooperative. And so, 
you know, we do that by instinct when we're criticized or when we feel criticized. And that's so important when people are going through divorce, separation, making decisions about their kids, is they feel criticized even when they're not. And so they react as if, okay, this is a fight, I've got to fight back. And so what BIF does is each person that uses a BIF approach is turning it back into a non-adversarial problem solving. And if one, one parent does that, it often influences the other parent. I get feedback now from parents and lawyers. They say, well, you know, my client wrote, has been writing BIF to a really angry co-parent and suddenly the angry co-parent starting to write back the same way. And we don't think they even know that it's a method, but they realize that it's, it sounds better, it looks better. Um, and I've been in court years ago with judges reading both sides and going, these two people think it's the other person, but it's both of them. Yeah. So you want to be the person that doesn't seem to be the high-conflict, angry, out-of-control, adversarial person. And BIF is just a really simple way to do that. It kind of neutralizes it. You, um, I have to say, when you said that about judges, I've had judges look at emails. So for, for those who are listening, it's a very common thing in the past at least, what, 10 years that emails are brought into court as evidence. We're always submitting these long, you know, nasty emails um, to give evidence of the issues that are going on. And I've had judges who can tell as they're looking through the trail of emails when one of the parties found Biff. They can tell when it had, they're like, oh, Biff happened on June 19th, you know, 1998, somebody caught it. So it is something, but you talk in the book about something. I thought this was such a great um, term for it, the blame speak. Um, it's such a good word. So why do, can you explain that? Yeah, blame speak has really become part of our culture. And I think and it's verbal as well as written. And it's the idea that you can just tell somebody off and that you can really treat people in an all or nothing way. It's all your fault and I'm perfect. And so, and it's, it's really, frankly, I think it's promoted a lot by the media to get attention. And so if you're trying to decide, well, who, you know, what TV show or, or radio station to listen to, or all of that, people's brains are attracted to the anger, the criticism, the chaos, the fear that goes with blame speak. And so it grabs your attention. And when you see celebrities and world leaders pointing fingers and blaming, you think, oh, well, I guess this is normal now. I guess I'll just do this too. And so it's not just, for example, in, in divorce cases, it's in the workplace now, um, it's in neighborhoods, uh, it's in so many settings that people slip into this kind of nasty language. And it's, it's generally has all or nothing terms in it, is preoccupied with blame, not saying, oh, and I can see my part of the problem is this. When someone says, I can see my part of the problem is this, that's a really good sign because that means they're willing to work on problem solving. 
But blame speak basically is unloading responsibility. You know, it's all your fault. You figure it out and let me know when you're going to do things better. <laughs> and it's just, it's not, <laughs> not real life in, in, in a situation where you're really trying to solve problems and, and not have stress. I mean, blame speak puts everybody on edge. So it's part of our culture and it's part of how, what Biff responds to. So someone's coming at you with blame speak and you just kind of pour cold water on it with a Biff response. I, I love that, that you, you can pour cold water on it or biff them with it. But it, it reminds me or it makes me think, you know, when someone comes at you with that blame speak, I think our, ner- our knee-jerk reaction is to do that defensive thing that we were talking about a moment ago. No, it's not my fault. It's your fault. And let me tell you, which is just escalating that cycle um, further and further. So that's, that is definitely one of those reasons why biff is so... Um, you know, so effective for people. Um, why, you know, Biff, you mentioned it earlier, but I just want to go through it. I've talked about it in other episodes, but Biff stands for brief, informative, friendly, but firm, um, or and firm. Um, so let's talk about each one of those because I think that um, this is where people, they sound simple. And I think you and I both know it's not that simple to do. Um, so when you're talking about brief, I, you know, I've seen the emails, you've seen the emails. They can go on for pages, <laughs> pages and pages of run on. So what's so important about brief? Brief really keeps it from escalating. In other words, the more you go on, the more the other person's starting to steam, you know, And there's something in there, the more you write, the more chance there is there's something in there that's going to trigger them. And now they're going to come back at you with another hostile email or statement. And so brief seems to just contain things. And one of the things we see about high conflict situations is people lack being contained, that they they just, everything's out there. There's no self-restraints. And you got to have self-restraints to be in a healthy relationship. And so Biff helps you kind of restrain yourself um, no matter how long it is, five pages, two pages, one page. In most cases, a paragraph is really sufficient to say what needs to be said. I mean, there's occasions where it needs to be longer, but mostly a paragraph. And I find it's really helpful to think, now, how can I respond to that with a paragraph. So Biff keeps it from risking escalating things again. Right, by not adding extraneous information, because that's what you're usually hit with. I see those emails and it's, you didn't pick up Timmy on time. It's just like six years ago when you forgot to get him off the bus. You did this and it will go on and bring in things from all over the place. And this and that, that don't need to be there. Actually, let me squeeze in one of my new favorite sayings, and that is keep the conflict small. Keep the conflict small because of exactly what you just said, is people throw in all these other things, and that makes it become impossible to resolve. You can't resolve 20 things all at once, but you can resolve one thing. So stick with keep the conflict small. 
So does that then lead us into informative? Because as you're looking at this email where you just got hit with, you didn't pay the child support, you forgot to get them off the bus, you were six minutes late picking them up. There's usually some kernel of something that does need to be dealt with in one of those missives. And when you're responding to it informatively, which is the I, is, is that you know how you can also reduce that conflict? Yeah. So in a, in a way, the guts of a BIF response are what's the piece of information you do need to convey. And so whatever it is, usually it doesn't take much. I mean, usually a sentence or two provides information, makes a request, whatever it is, clears things up. Um, and so Grief goes right into that. It's like, okay, I've got room for three or four sentences here. Um, what, what do I really need to say? And how can I say it the most simply and directly? And with informative, it's good to have this checklist in the back of your mind that it's not emotions, it's not opinions, it's not defenses, it's certainly not attacks. And so... It's just straight information. And it's like, what time does this happen? Or, you know, I didn't know about it, and otherwise I would have been there. Or, you know, whatever it is that's the information, just the, the guts of the information. And, and that's usually all that people really need to know. The rest is noise. Right. So that's, you know, informative is the key. But another aspect of this is, I think, I think of the brain in terms of, you know, I tend to think of right and left hemisphere. Some people like that, some people don't. But there's more of our logical problem solving in the left brain. And there's more of our relationships, emotions, defenses, protective thinking in our right brain. And I want to keep this in the problem solving part of the brain. And when people put out little attacks and triggers, you're hooking in the defensive, which I think is more on the right side of the brain. Um, and so you're really targeting. And this is one thing we say at the end of, of both Biff books is that you decide what kind of response you're going to get from the other person. You want them to have a problem-solving, logical response then do a BIF response, just straight information. You want them to be angry and resentful with you? Yeah, just get defensive back and see what happens. <laughs> you have the control. Yeah, you, yeah. And, and there's something that people don't, don't realize. The, um, the first of the Fs, I have to tell you, is the one I get the most resistance to when I'm talking to people. Um, so I definitely want to touch on the friendly because no one I'm talking to or when I'm working with clients, no one wants to be friendly with their co-parent or the, the other person who they're having this conflict with. Yeah. And this is, you know, it's just, it, it can be very simple, just a friendly greeting or a friendly closing. The idea is you're communicating because there's a problem that needs solving. And so the best way to solve a problem is to have a friendly tone. And so, you know, thanks for responding to my request. Person may have just thrown like 
a whole bunch of stuff at you. Um, but they responded. So you can say, thanks for responding to my request. And then give whatever information you're going to give. Or, you know, have a good weekend. Uh, like in business often, you know, a lot of stuff happens Friday afternoon, all scurrying around to address it. And that's, that's a good time to say, and have a good weekend. And it really helps you gear towards that calmer problem-solving side and to, to reduce the conflict. It's, it's a more direct way of reducing the conflict. But people really need to know it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Just thank you for responding or have a nice weekend. That's, that's all you need to say. It doesn't have to be super dripping with friendliness. Right, like dear Bob. I hope, yeah. So it can be, it can be um, in the in the realm of the cordial and the. You would say it to a business colleague. I say that on Friday. You just made me think of it. Every time I send an email out on a Friday, I always say, "Hope you have a wonderful weekend or enjoy your weekend." Yeah, yeah. So the and then the final, the firm. This is one that people have trouble with yeah. um, because there's a fine line between firm. And, and running over into maybe the combative or difficult. Right. And I, I always tell people it's firm doesn't mean harsh. It means you end the hostilities. You, you close up the conversation. A lot of times that's it. There's nothing else needs to get said or addressed. And sometimes you need to get some more information or you have a request and so you can end with a question, pretty much a yes or no question. Uh, with this information, if you'll reconsider, please let me know by Thursday at 5, because, you know, I wanted to trade Friday evenings or something like that. So firm just means it kind of settles it down. Doesn't mean harsh. Um, but it also, you know, you kind of, you're stabilizing the situation. And so there may be some, some words, but they're not harsh words. They're more friendly words that say, you know, that's all I need to say on this subject or something. Like, especially sometimes people say, well, I gave a BIF response, and then they came back with something else or the same thing again. What do you do now? Well, it's always a judgment call. Do you respond or not? But often it's responding with a briefer biff that may just say, um, I've already said everything in my email of yesterday afternoon on this subject. So to close it out. Yeah. 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 Hello, everyone. It's Susan, and I have an exciting announcement. In just a few weeks, I'm launching the Divorce and Beyond Members Only Community. The Members Only Community is going to be your place to take your Divorce and Beyond experience to the next level. I have a lot of benefits that are going to come along with your membership, but just to highlight a few, you're going to have access to the entire archive of episodes, and that is all the ones that are out there already, as well as all of those to come and they will be ad-free and uninterrupted. And in addition, you're going to have special members only podcast episodes only available to members that explore and take a deeper dive into the legal issues of divorce. I've already recorded some issues on alimony, adultery, and sole custody to name a few. 
Members will also be able to ask Susan anything in a special forum where you can not only ask your questions, but you can learn from those that have been asked by other members. Those are just a few of the benefits. So membership is going to be available for a low price of only $10 a month. But in order to make it special for those of you who are listening right now, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to join at only $5 a month if you sign up for early access now. So go to the link in the show notes to sign up for that early access or visit divorceandbeyondpod.com. I can't wait to see you all in the Divorce and Beyond members only community. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, the world's leading high conflict divorce expert, Bill Eddy, sharing the BIF method. The main theme usually if you need to respond to a dozen family and friends is, you know, this is a private matter. You don't need to worry about this or deal with this. And if you have any questions about the subject's matter, is uh, feel free to contact me and I can clear anything up. If you are enjoying this episode, check out If I Only Knew Then What I Know Now, Reflections on Divorce with the amazing Molly Dare Hillenbrand. There have been a few, you know, sort of, I say, like, tire kickers in a sense. I'm not sure. I'm thinking about it. It's the new year. And literally, that's how the calls have started today. I've had a few calls where I don't know if I'll be calling you tomorrow or in six months from now or not at all. But can I get a little more background information? I want to start the year off with some of this in my head. And I've had a couple people come in and say, we made it through the holidays, barely, and it's time to go. Give me the form to fill out. What do I have to do? And now we return to today's show. Well, and that's such a good point that you made. And I, I actually underlined this point in the book when I was rereading it. Um, sometimes no response is the response. Not everything you say in the book, not every communication needs to be responded to. So how do you define that? Well, there's kind of, in my mind, some criteria. First of all, has it been said in public, like to... And public could be a dozen family, friends, you know, family and friends. If there's other people hearing it, I tend to want to respond and maybe to the whole group so that they know that what was said about me isn't accurate um, because it's often distorted. So in those kinds of cases, if it's a document that's going to end up in court, I want to respond so that there's no misinformation that it looks like I'm acknowledging was true. Um, but if it's just, you know, two people upset with each other or one's upset with you and it's not going anywhere else and you know you're not going to change the other person's mind, then you might just not respond at all. Right. If there's easy information to provide, you could do a BIF response with that easy information and then be done. But sometimes it's better not to, especially if the other person's trying to keep a conflict going and you've already said everything on that. So like I suggested, you give your BIF response. If they come back, you give a briefer one. They come back again, you might not respond at all. 
Right. But, but good point about if it's going to perhaps be introduced in court, as we were just talking about, a lot of times these communications are submitted as evidence, or if there's a group that this was disseminated to. Because I have noticed, especially in litigation situations or in high-conflict divorce cases, People like to co- copy their attorney, the therapist, the kid's teacher, their mom, your mom, and every person. Um, so this is a way you're not saying to come yeah, in yeah, and give true. a response that's other um, than Biff. You're saying so, still give a Biff response, yeah, so there, but there if, is so if you there, need to the correct the information or give information that corrects the, really the stream of information. Yeah. And, and we have examples in um, both books like that where other people have been brought in, which is a very common thing, and you just kind of straighten them out. You can, you can either say um, just all this hostility that that's, that's more than anybody really should hear. Um, it really isn't good to go into your brain because... The things we know about our brains is basically they absorb everything they hear and everything they see. And so you don't want this is better than saying he's lying and let me tell you the five lies that he made and what the truth is about them. Because people don't really want to get into that. You know, people go, oh, no, they're going to get involved in my divorce. It's going to make it more high conflict. And I'm saying I don't know anybody. Uh, yeah, it's just divorce. <laughs> Not even your attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing, and this is this is goes outside of Biff, but it's another um, easy thing for people to remember. And clients come back with the three A's and tell me how helpful the three A's are. So um, I want to make sure we hit on those because they they are extremely easy trapdoors to follow fall through in these situations. Yeah. So the three A's are basically don't include advice, admonishments, or apologies. So let me explain each one. So don't give advice. And most people realize when you get a hostile email, it's not the person isn't asking for your advice. But it's tempting to say, let me give you some advice. And what's interesting is I've consulted on emails between adult children and their parents. And so like young adults are, you know, just looking at dating or getting married or, or early on, and their parents say, now, Johnny, let me give you some advice. And Johnny says, Mom, let me give you some advice. <laughs> and the thing is, don't give each other advice. It just feeds uh, unnecessary conflict. Admonishments are talking down. It's like, you know, hey, buddy, you know, you should never, ever do such and such. And so admonishments are like a parent admonishing a child. That also doesn't go over well um, when you're trying to have a calmer uh, relationship with somebody. So those are pretty obvious and easy to see. Apologies is surprising. And let me explain that. First of all, I think apologies are a great thing um, in most situations. But when you're getting hostile email, apologies are likely to be used back at you later as ammunition. 
And I actually was doing a consultation this morning and someone said, the other person is carrying this around with them and using it as a bludgeon. See, you said, and so you you want to just steer clear of that, provide information, but not apologies. Now, structured apologies, sometimes there's a setting where people are going to apologize. But when you're dealing, especially with court cases where evidence comes in, um, when you're dealing, if you're dealing with a high-conflict co-parent that sees everything as all your fault, then this just feeds into that. Let me, I want to apologize for this tiny little thing and the other person hears that you agree it's all your fault. Mm -hmm. And I also tell this to professionals because sometimes professionals say, well, you know, I want to apologize for this little thing. And depending on who their client is, they may be sued for that because it seems as if they agreed it's all their fault. And that's not what they said. So it's really to avoid the misunderstanding and this doesn't mean that, that there may be times when it's appropriate for someone to apologize like a professional, but it's not when you're responding to hostile emails. Right. The, th- the way that it comes up, I see in a lot of emails is, you know, we're not perfect. So you get that email that says you were five minutes late picking up Billy from practice. That caused him all kinds of just, you know, heart wrenching d- d- problems and et cetera. And instead of responding, I'm sorry, I was late getting Billy. What, what should you say? You can say um, this and this was happening. And I won't let it happen again. That way you're not saying, I'm sorry, I messed up. You're saying, this is what happened. And this is what I'll do so it doesn't happen again. So you're giving information again, rather than an emotional thing. Um, Thank you. Let that happen again. People go, well, that's a good thing. But let me mention, and there's other times, there's a word I like to substitute. So someone says, do you want to say, I'm sorry you feel that way? So I suggest you try not to use the word sorry, but you might use the word saddened. I'm saddened to hear that you feel that way. You know, it's a difficult situation. I'm saddened to hear that that's how you feel. Um, And so occasionally... When you really want to use sorry, but you know it's risky because of who the other person is, is use saddened. And it actually adds, adds a different tone to it also. It's like, yeah, it is sad that we're in this situation. It is sad that you feel that way about me. Right. So I think that's an easy switch to do. And it's an amazingly different message if you really think about, I'm sorry that you feel that way or I'm saddened that you feel that way. It's absolutely a different message. So that's that's a good one. I'll have to keep that in the, the arsenal. Um, so one of the things I, I really enjoyed about the new book is you've broken down 
co-parenting difficult conversations that they might be having um, into different categories. So you had routine co-parenting, education discussions, healthcare discussions, activities, finances, um, changes to plans and schedules, which is always a landmine area, um, and then social media as well. So, but I do want to talk a little bit about that that changes to plans and schedules because that tends to be somewhere where I see a huge amount of conflict between co-parents. Yeah. So we give samples. We actually give 28 sample conversations in here. We give a hostile email and then a not good response and then a biff response. Um, And so all of these areas can trigger making it big. And Biff helps keep the conflict small. And what's interesting is to see parents, co-parents, who have both learned how to do this one way or another, um, things are much simpler. And it's just, you know, here's the information, here's when we need to pick up Johnny, or here's the medicine, here's how often he needs to take it, period. And you feel like, you know, you're talking like business partners. And that's really what you want because co-parents are business partners in raising their kids. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, it just, it just simplifies things. But I do want to say that Biff is harder than it looks, but with practice, it's pretty easy. And the thing is, it just takes practice. It's like riding a bike or something. You just... Once you get into the rhythm of it, it's really not that hard. Yeah, it's like it's like changing any other behavior that you have. Um, it takes that time, and it's it, it involves sort of uh, taking that step back. Because I, what I always tell a client is, go ahead and type out that furious response that you want to have, but do not send that. And take a breather, go for a walk, give it some time, unless there's a very time-sensitive um, you know, response needed. Uh, give yourself some time and then go back with a cooler head and biff it at that time. You can take your five-page long response email and biff it and bring it down to the one paragraph. And that seems to be very helpful for people until they get into the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. It's just taking a break. From it. Sometimes I suggest handwrite your response to say angry stuff, whatever you want, but that way you know that there's no way you can hit send. That's a very good point. No accidental sending. Yeah. I, I remember once I, I was working on a case and it was, it was two lawyers saying something like, make sure that, you know, nobody else sees this conversation and they copied everybody on it. Yeah. Oh, beyond embarrassing in some cases, right? So I wanted to suggest something that you triggered a thought for me. And and with it, I want to mention I had two co-authors with this book, Annette Burns and Kevin Chafin. Yeah, there you go. Trying to get it right here. There we go. And Kevin taught me, I always learn something new from other people. And Kevin taught me something I think he learned from a client. He's a, a counselor therapist. And what he said is his client takes the hostile email he's received or she's received, rewrites that into a BIF, and then responds to that because that's taken all the emotion out of it. 
And now it's just like a business conversation. And I just thought that was brilliant. So that's another thing you can do. And it's good practice is rewrite the other person's communication into a BIF and then respond to that reasonable. Uh, And it's twice the practice, right? Twice the practice on biffing. I have a client who takes a highlighter and goes and identifies, you know, where the actual kernel of what needs to be responded to is. But I like the rewriting it because it does give people that additional um, additional practice. Um, That something that's in this book, I didn't want to to not talk about social media as well because I that. has been such a, you know, it plays such a large part in our lives these days. And we now see people carrying out their conflict through their social media posts in this very public way. Um, And I've seen this really become um, just a a central part of the battle and it's very difficult to litigate uh, how people behave on social media. So, um, what do you recommend around that and why did you include it in the book this time? Just because, as you said, there's so much of that. Um, of course, I recommend, and, and um, in, in my book, Splitting, with Randy Crager, we recommend just stay off of social media while you're going through a legal process because everything you write can be used against you. It's like you should get Miranda rights before you go online. anything you say may and will be Well, it just keeps escalating, and it's not productive. And it's, it's really, most people know, the longer it goes, the more it'll devolve. So keep it brief, yeah. inf- informative, friendly, and firm. Friendly but firm. <laughs> and you're out. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, you mentioned about teaching um, our younger generation. Uh, one of my stepchildren was in a bad breakup, and the ex-girlfriend decided to go, I think it was on 
Instagram or Facebook and post some things that he felt weren't truthful. And he was getting ready to post this, his own post, his counter post. Um, and I talked to him about Biff. I actually gave him a copy of this one because that's what I had at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, so I do like to think that uh, my stepkids and, and as I mentioned to you, one of my friends was having a conflict in the workplace and with her boss, which is a very difficult place to be in. Um, and I gave her a copy of Biff. So uh, this is information for everyone. But I have to tell you, if you are a co-parent in a difficult relationship with your your co-parent trying to have productive communication around your children to do the best you can for your children, this the new Biff, your guide to difficult co-parent text, emails, and social media posts is really going to become your go-to Bible. You can even look in here, as Bill said, there are sort of scripts or descriptions of ways that you can turn things around and respond in a Biff manner. Um, so Bill, what would your last word be to say to people on, on Biffing, on how to Biff? Just, just practice it a lot. I think one of the most important things to help you not get defensive is to tell yourself what they've written to you says more about them than it says about you. So you don't have to take it personally. So that's one of the favorite self-talk things I tell myself is it's not about me. And so I can just focus on problem solving. I don't have to take it personally. Now, it's not easy to do when it's your co-parent, but a lot of people say that they really like that phrase. It's not about me. It's about the other person's lack of restraints, lack of skills, lack of knowledge of doing BIF responses. So right. don't be surprised. Other people may not be able to do what you can do. So those self-talk things, I think, can really help. Yeah, well, and if you can learn to Beth and you can learn to take control of your side of the communication, which ultimately takes control of, of the overall communication in many cases, it is a very freeing and empowering aspect of this cycle of conflict because it can take you out of it. And I think that is really the gift you give to people, Bill. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to build a communication tool where you can co parent well with your, your uh, co-parent and your do well by your children. But the freedom that Biff can give to people can't be under undersold. It's really an element that will help you move forward in your life and not stay caught in that conflict that was going on in your divorce and maybe beyond. So thank you for Biff. We thank you, you, Susan, so much for passing all this information on and all the work you do. Uh, well, I honestly, Biff, I, I can't talk about it enough. That's why I was thrilled to be able to have you on. I will, I already posted um, through my social media a link to everyone to get the book, but I'll also put a link to getting it both through, you can get it through the High Conflict Institute um, through Unhooked Books, right? Yes, on our institute or get it from Amazon, bookstores, et cetera. So exactly. we're, you can we're happy wherever people find it. I was going to say, where all fine books are sold. So what I want you to do is go out and get your copy. And I mean that for all co-parents, all people in who are having a difficult relationship with someone else in your life. It will change your life and it will free you from that conflict cycle. So thank you so much, Bill, for coming on. I appreciate it so much. And so do my listeners. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.